Just stop it. The run of the mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to someone that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo and has ventured into unexplored opportunities and kicked up the dust. Today's guest is a startup co-founder with a unicorn exit. He's been the inspiration for Steve Jobs' Apple stores. He's a world-class international speaker and author, and he speaks about, writes about, talks about, and builds world-class organizations that drive product and technology innovations. He's the author of Guiding Your Raft, and he is the CEO of MyHive.Global, Dano Ibarra. Thank you, Carla. It's so nice to be here. And what a, what a gracious introduction. Well, you know, you're a badass. <laughs> you know, I read some of this stuff and I go, wow, wow. Did you really do that? Wow. You know, I would just want to ask you, like, how are you the inspiration for Steve Jobs, Apple stores? I'm just getting completely off uh, my normal course, <laughs> but I know people well, yeah, are like, how is that? Let's jump right in there. So I worked at Adobe and Steve Jobs was at his company called Next, Next Computer. And so he was my customer. And so we got to know each other a little bit. Well, I left Adobe and he went back to run Apple and reached out to me to help with his channel. What should he do? And so I spent a few weeks in studying and studying and the like and came back to Steve and said, the Bad news is not your fault at all. You just came back, but the channel does not like Apple. So then I presented the concept of creating Apple stores inside of existing uh, retail stores and then expanding out into his own stores. And he, you know, he took that idea, as Steve does, and then took it up like 10 levels as he explained to me what it could look like. Uh, so I was, I call myself, I planted the seed of inspiration. And then he took it from there. And of course, it was just a short term consulting thing. So then I moved on to do other things. Well, it's still a badass thing that you can put on your resume, right? <laughs> Not to mention you took a startup to a unicorn exit. But let's get into disruption, right? Yeah. And you've been an innovator, you've been a disruptor, what is your main ingredient for disruption? I look around at, at the world, at how we do things, what we're doing, when we're doing it, and ideas come to me. Sometimes they come from other people. Sometimes they come a collision of ideas. Other people have ideas. I have ideas. And, and then I see a world that doesn't exist. And I want to create that world. And so, for example, when my brother and I were young, we loved, you know, going to restaurants and lodges up in the mountains. 
but we would go there and they would have these dumb tables and chairs that were really not descriptive of, of the environment and the atmosphere they wanted to create. And I said, we need to create furniture that mirrors and, and blends in with this world. And so we went back and we created our own furniture and went up and started selling to restaurants and lodges. So it's, it's this, that collision of ideas and opportunities and the like and seeing things as they are and saying, no, 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 there's a better way. There's something that's better. And, and then just figuring out a way to get there, right? And of course, part of that is inspiring people around you to follow your crazy idea because most of them come across as pretty crazy. Uh, so that's a big element as well is, is being able to believe in it enough to get you out of bed when everything's going wrong and then also inspire those around you to, to come help and join in and let's, let's do this. Let's fix this. Yeah. It's almost like, I hate this word holistic because it's been so hackneyed and used, right? It's such a banal term, but you're really talking about almost like a holistic disruption because not only your main ingredient is you see things differently, yes. but then, you know, the problem that you have to get people on board and to accept it. Right. And that's a big challenge for pioneers, right? It's a huge barrier. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You need a team and the team has to be as excited and inspired as you are. Mm -hmm. And so how do you transfer that energy, that excitement, that vision to others? It's a challenge. Um, I've not always been successful. I've had a few crazy ideas and couldn't get other people to follow. So I moved on to the next idea. Well, I mean, that's another part of it too, right? Like innovators, we always have things that maybe we, I don't know, we like the word fail, but we like, okay, that didn't work. Go to the next thing. Not a, it's not a failure. It's just, uh, there's a better opportunity we need to pursue now. It's a better opportunity. <laughs> Lessons learned. Absolutely. Boy, I learned more from things that didn't work then I learned from things that worked. I know. Well, it's a pain universe, right? Isn't that how we learn? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well said. Well Thank said. You. Well, um, so what, what, what is today? Like, okay. Challenging environments, um, getting people excited. We're in a remote workforce. How do you do that now? Right. Let's paint, paint the status quo for me of What's going on there? Because that is a humongous challenge. It is. Uh, and thank you for asking. Uh, I've, I've worked remote or, or a hybrid where you're in the office some days and out of the office other days for most of my career. And I've learned over time how to still be part of the core fabric of the company while being remote. And it took me a while to figure it out, but, but I learned and, and many others have too. As, as we came up to the beginning of the pandemic, only between eight and 12% of the workforce worked remote or in a hybrid fashion. When the pandemic hit, that number went to 88%, according to Gardner. So you have this huge gap of 70 plus percent of our employees who had never worked remote before. And they found that there's challenges. 
the reports and all, all the research shows that individual productivity did go up because you find out that you don't have a commute, you walk into your office in your house or apartment or wherever and you go to work and then you never stop working because you're already home. And so individual productivity went up, but there were challenges that came out of it. Uh, number one, the feeling of isolation, loneliness. I'm working on an island and it created these individual silos and created mental health issues. And we're still challenged with that to right now today. Second is because of that, innovation and creativity in the business went down. Microsoft, uh, Intel, Google, all did extensive research and all came to the same conclusion that in fact, productivity is down, um, team productivity is down, individual productivity is up, but cr creativity and innovation is down. And that impacts the business, impacts their bottom line, impacts their future. The third thing was now we have all these managers and leaders in business who have never managed or, or led remote teams. They don't know how, and there's no real training out there for them. So I looked at that and said, wow, we need to think about how we work, where we work, when we work, how we interact differently. We were all thrown into either teams or into the Zoom Slack world. And if, and if you look at how we actually communicate, 20% of how we communicate is the actual words, written or spoken, that, just the words. 40% is the intonation, the, the pregnant pauses in our voice, right? How we sound, Are we, do we sound enthusiastic? We may be saying negative things, but we're sounding enthusiastic. That changes the message completely, right? And if you depend just on words, you're only getting 20% of the communication. You add to it your voice, now you're up to about 60%. And then the other 40% is body language. Uh, are they grumpy looking when they say this thing? And is it believable, not believable? So when you move to a Slack only, chat, text only, or even to a scheduled video calls, which by the way, I'm not knocking these, these saved our businesses, but there is a better way because what they leave out is that spontaneity, the water cooler conversations, the brushing shoulders in the hallway. And, and because of that, we're not getting that creativity and innovation we need in the business. And just sitting on Zoom calls all day, which I did as well, it doesn't help you feel part of something bigger, like being in the office and, and feeling the buzz inside of the office. There's something about that. And there are, of course, introverts and extroverts. And if you're an extrovert, you feed your energy builds based on being around other people with energy. And even if you're an introvert, you still cannot stay isolated all the time. You do need that human interaction. And so, my, my big challenge was how do, we, how do we change things so that we solve those problems while not physically going back into the office? Yes. Yes. Because, <clears throat> you know, everything you're saying is very true. Um, you know, I'm going to give you a little, like I'm thinking to myself, you know, my own business, like, uh, just a little data for you. Like we went remote in 2015. Now 
you know, we have very large enterprise clients, B2B clients. And um, I went remote because one of my clients said, Hey, you should really go remote. <laughs> now we had a really nice loft, you know, agency, you know, vibe, but it was a lot of overhead. Right. And, um, talent I had, they had to drive an hour and a half each way. Right. And to get really good talent. Right. Um, it just sometimes happens. So their quality of life was pretty low as far as that goes. Right. Um, my client, that particular client at the time was putting a 700 person sales force fully remote. Right. Um, and I had another, it was like almost like a chain reaction to other clients that were going remote. So I, so I read the book remote and I piloted going remote. Right. And we actually, I realized, um, the types of people that we had to hire for remote work because those extroverts that really needed, I called them little puppy dogs, right. That needed to have that water cooler talk. Um, they didn't make it right. And our productivity dipped, um, the first month, but by the third month, our productivity increased 40%. Yeah. And I remember doing an interview with entrepreneur, like I wrote an article for entrepreneur magazine. They asked me to on remote. Cause back then it was still kind of like avant-garde to go remote. And I was looking at the statistics and I thought, wow, we got a really great trade-off. You know, I saved all this overhead. We have higher production, but I do know what you mean. There's this electricity and, um, collaboration and, I don't always like water cooler talk because I just want to get my job done, right? but there is something different when you have that live interaction. So there are silos, right? So long story short, I'm thinking through all of this, how the hell, pardon my French, but how the hell do you get that? I, and people aren't going back. I don't think they're going back to the office. My, I, I threatened to buy another uh, building. My, my staff looked at me in horror. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make us go back to work there, are you? Um, and we can hire talent from all over the world now, but like, how do you do it? What is the innovation? It still has to be yeah. virtual, right? Yeah, and and you you hit a couple of important things. Even with the mental health challenges, the feeling of isolation, and like of individual employees, over eighty percent do not want to go back to the office. At least not every day of the week. Uh, a lot of them think a hybrid model is good where maybe they're in the office one day for a lot of face-to-face meetings, but the rest of the week is remote. Um, and then like you said, boy, the world opens up to us if we have a culture of remote work. Now we can hire the best talent from anywhere in the world without limitations. Uh, I, I live in Utah. Our unemployment rate here is, if I remember correctly, about 1.8%. Yeah, I know. Finding just an anomaly. Finding talent is so hard here. So we have to go outside. And so we have to create cultures of remote and hybrid work. So how do we do that and not lose those spontaneous conversations and get off consistent Zoom calls and lots of Slack back and forth or Teams it does the same thing. What, what I saw was we could create virtual offices. And so you, instead of commuting 
walking to your physical office, you walk into your office or wherever you have your computer set up and you actually see your office. You see a layout, you're part of a team. So maybe you're marketing and maybe there's 12 people in the marketing team. We're all in the same virtual room. I can see my colleagues sitting next to me around a big table. And as long as my headphones on, I can hear all the crosstalk. So people are saying, hey, I'm stuck. Can someone help? Oh, yeah, uh, go check this out. Or maybe I'm running a sales team and have my own office, but I have my sales team in another office. I can pop in just like that. Hey, how's this account coming along? What can I do to help? These conversations, when they happen over Slack, it's good because the communication is continuing. But again, you're only getting 20% of the full communication that should be happening. And when they happen over Zoom, it typically means it was a scheduled meeting. And so the spontaneity is gone. We're, we're on a schedule like you. I want to get things done. Let's get through the agenda. But when you have the ability to virtually pop in to an office and ask a quick question and then get back to work, it changes the dynamics. And when you can see all your colleagues in your entire company working, you can see if they're on the phone, if they're talking with colleagues, or if they're just heads down working on something, it brings back that sense of belonging. It brings back that sense of team, of, of teaming. It also opens up avenues. One of the other things that uh, Microsoft specifically pointed out in their extensive study was the amount of time that employees working remote now spent with people they already knew went up exponentially. Working with people they didn't know went down exponentially because they didn't have that pre-existing relationship. Well, think about your new employee, you walk into a new workforce and you're remote. How do you establish those communications? Yeah, well, onboarding is definitely tougher and people that aren't very structured on that. Um, and then again, there's structure, right? You're not, not going to walk down the hallway and see someone. What does this mean? So this is with VR, right? Well, yes and no. It's we're, we're right now today, we're avoiding the 3D. Everything's moving like a game because we're marketing and selling globally. And if you look at the age of computers in other countries, it's not like the U.S. where every two years we get a new computer. Some of these computers are 10 years old. So we had to stay with a model that would work and gave you that visual sense, but without the expense, computing expense of 3D. So ours is basically 2D, but you do see animation going on around you and you can see where people are. Now, as we move forward, do we have a vision of, you know, going 3D and, and VR? Yes, but without the eyeglasses and the light, because no one wants to wear those all day. No that's, one wants to wear them. That's Well, I take that back. There are some gamers who do love wearing them all day, but in business, it just doesn't make sense. That's like the infinitesimal amount of the population, right? <laughs> yeah. Does that mean we can't go to work in our jammies anymore? Well, you know, you can, as long as you put on a nice blouse or shirt. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how many times we've had important calls with, you know, big clients and they're like, yeah, I'm not turning my video on because I'm still, uh, 
you know, I'm not shaven and I'm still in my <laughs> pajamas. And I, you know, I find that to be extremely refreshing and I would have never had those conversations with them before, but I think because of our lack of meetings and touch points, it's caused this real need for people to just be very authentic or let people in a little more, right? Like now you're home and gosh, I didn't shave today, but I'm on this important meeting and oh, here's my cat and he's <laughs> walking across, right? No, that's so true. It's, we've invited our business into our homes and that's a good thing because it does personalize us. And like you say, it makes us more authentic. At the same time, there are some, some etiquette that we need to follow, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, when we can block the noise, we need to. But, you know, I had new carpeters, new carpet put in my upstairs and my downstairs was noisy all day. Nothing I could do about it. But, you know, people get on a call. I let them know, hey, I have carpeters upstairs. They are absolutely making lots of noise today and everyone's okay with it. But again, like you say, it's more authentic. We've invited you into our homes and our cats and dogs and children. I love seeing that. Yeah. It actually yeah. is refreshing, like it you is. say. It and is. I've had more business meetings where people come in, like you say, but they're in t-shirts and casual, very casual than in my entire career. I'm with you. I, and I find it to be very disarming in a sense. And it is. which is good. I think it's all good. It is. So we have this um, virtual office, right? That, uh, you know, it's incipient stages for you. You're still figuring this out, right? Yep. Uh, knowing you and how you've done things, I, I'm sure you will um, figure it out. What are, what are some of the challenges that you're going through right now with it? Well, anytime you introduce a new way of doing things there, you know, there's the famous bell curve, right? And so right now we're, we can only work with early adopters, those willing to take a chance on a new, we're not just disrupting the way people talk with each other. We're disrupting their workflow of the day because they typically don't think about virtually going into their office and then all their colleagues are around them and, and they see what's going on. <laughs> That's not how their minds work today. Their mind is check my calendar for my next video conference call, right? <laughs> and, and then in between I'll do Slack and then I'll do my work, right? When I'm not doing those two things. Yeah. So we're disrupting their, their entire flow. So we're today dealing with early adopters and the challenge is to get those early adopters to completely embrace and then start spreading the word so that those who are you know, not as early on the curve will be more comfortable adopting. So that's one of our big challenges. Of course, there's a lot of challenges. Anytime I'm sure. But you know, that is always a question I ask, and it was a natural con like question I was going to ask you. It's like, who are the early adopters of this? Have you even figured that out yet? Or what are you seeing? I, it is so interesting you ask that question. So a lot of the early adopters are people who already know me. <laughs> and so, and, and know my, my co-founder who lives in Brazil. 
And so we have Brazilian customers that are people who know us and are also into technology. And they're the ones that are trying it out and they're actually paying for it, which is awesome. And they keep paying for it. They keep coming back every month because it's a monthly subscription. And so we have personally interviewed all of our customers to find out if it's really solving the problems we thought it would solve. And I'll tell you, I've been so, so delighted in the responses. We've solved a few problems we didn't anticipate solving, but generally speaking, we're doing what we saw as the challenges, they see this as the solution and that's made us really happy. So now we just need to get the word out to more people to give it a shot, find more early adopters and just start getting the word out. Yeah. What are these, if you had to put like sort of paint the persona of these early adopters, I know they've been your clients and your contacts and how would you categorize them characteristic wise, types of industries? Like, I don't think we have a single, uh, we don't have two customers in the same category. (laughs) We have tax accountants, we have lawyers, we have uh, marketing agencies, we have um, someone who runs uh, some housing projects. We have, so it's, it's like we have a, a someone from a lot of different categories. The thing they have in common is they have either a small or large office worker team, right? Um, obviously, you know, if you're in construction, we're not going to be any help at all to the guys out hammering nails. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing a job that they can only do with their hands. And that's awesome. Right. Like but, manufacturing. Yeah. Right. But back at the office they can, the office workers can be remote. And so it's, it's that interesting thing. So anyone who has remote or hybrid, that's who we're targeting. That's our persona. It's pretty broad. So initially we're looking at professional services. You know, I was going to say, it sounds like professional services and yeah. also internal professional services that service, you know, the accounting yeah. departments of construction companies, things like that. Exactly. We do have one large high-tech company that I can't mention uh, their name, but they're starting with just one department. They have 14 people. It's a new department. The manager's been around for a while, but he just hired in 13 people. And so they're piloting with that group and it's going very, very well. Uh, This could lead to something huge for us. Uh, both logo-wise as well as uh, revenue-wise, and we're pretty excited. But again, we're paying careful attention to make sure we're solving the problems we're trying to solve. So what are the problems? Let's let's do bullet points again. Let's summarize it for our audience, right? What are the problems you're trying to solve? So as an individual, especially those who have not worked remote before, you're now working from somewhere other than in the office. And the tendency is to just heads down, focus on the task in front of you. The tendency is not to reach out and collaborate because you have to schedule a Zoom meeting. And so you miss that spontaneity. I call them water cooler conversations. I know what you mean. I Sometimes I avoid the quote water cooler because I don't wanna get caught up in all this other conversation that's not work related. But I'm an exception, you're an exception. Most people need that as part of their workday, just to casually interact. You know, how was the weekend? How'd your football team do? How's the baseball game? Did you go fishing this week? Or did you go on that marathon? All of those conversations, they 
believe it or not, they actually contribute to the business environment and the success of the business. Yeah. So that's one of the problems we're trying to solve is get people talking again. And this, we see it happening as they just jump into an office and say, hey, how was your weekend? And all of a sudden they find out they have things in common, even for people that they don't typically work with. Um, Another one is that feeling of loneliness, the isolation, the mental health. Well, now they have people that they can interact with all day. They see people working around them. They see the photos of their avatars. And of course, as we move forward, we're looking at some other interesting things. For example, rooms you can go and work out together, room, virtual rooms where you can go do yoga together, virtual rooms where you can, project rooms where you can have a team working on projects and keep all the materials there. These things are, are very close on the horizon. And then even a step further as we, since we're sitting on the edge of the metaverse for business, you can go customize your office buying NFTs and, you know, put that beautiful uh, artwork that you love so much in your office. And when people come to your office, they start seeing more of your personality in your virtual office. Right. So, so all of that is, is in the roadmap. Um, But again, trying to get people talking again, casually, the spontaneous and getting rid of the isolation and doing that solves the second problem, which is the drop in creativity and innovation. And having everyone that you can see and interact with casually and, and spontaneously helps solve that manager and leadership because I can now just pop in and talk to someone. I don't have to schedule a call, a video conference, or expect to communicate fully over chat. They have their places, but it's not the complete solution. Yeah, I would have never thought that I would say today that I agree with you, (laughs) but I agree (laughs) with you. I mean, as a, well, just in my profession, right? Having to get so much done um, at so fast, we're dealing with broad calm lines of the world, right? Deadlines of yesterday. I just want to get it done, right? But yeah. it's something that you said here that really sparks us. There's an inner interconnected. I mean, we, we all fi- figured out we need each other from COVID, right? Yeah. But interconnected, interrelated. But you said something, you know, like the ability to communicate, um, get rid of the loneliness and increase the creativity and innovation. There's a rule that we work on in guiding and managing public opinion and public relations. And it goes along with this. It's a, it's almost like a natural law, right? And it is, it's not so much what you put on the communication line is that you establish the communication line. So the talking about, you know, did you go fishing this weekend? Yeah, I caught a puffer fish, right? You know, or that establishes the communication line. It, it, puts trust there. It strings a line that creates trust. It creates camaraderie. And then when you do put the creativity and innovation on that line, you can't do it unless you have that line. It's a very like scientific way of telling you that I agree with you. um, (laughs) What I never thought I would. Right. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. And, but it's so true. How do we keep 
or establish our corporate culture if we don't have these types of interactions, those trust conversations, as you put it so well. It's it, true. It's, Sometimes it's you just cannot do that online. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I know what your challenges are. I have an idea of your early adopters. Your biggest challenge is getting the word out. Um, yeah. yeah. And then there will be other challenges to come after that. Oh, always. <laughs> always. Where do you see this going? And where do you see remote work going? Where do you see people's need to handle their lonely silos going? It's where remote work is going. We, I think we already know that. I think six months it's ago, true. we were still we kind, of, kind of guessing, but we know now that you know over 80% of the employees want to stay remote or hybrid and over 70% of the employers agree. Now, they agree a lot because it's getting harder and harder to uh, find and retain great talent. And, you know, the great resignation where everyone said, whoa, I'm not going back to the office. I, there's yeah. so many other things I can Sayonara. do. With talent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so, so it's here to stay. Hybrid and remote work is here to stay. So then the question really becomes, so as a company, how am I going to embrace it and make it the experience it needs to be? And so it's, it's right now where businesses are evaluating, what's my long-term plan? My short-term plan, my save the company plan was Teams or Slack and, and Zoom, but I need a long-term plan in place. And that's where we want to play. We want to come in and be part of that long-term plan of how to bring the company together, how to keep building, keep the corporate, corporate culture. And we just put it simply, get the buzz back in your office. Get the buzz back in your office. I love that. So, okay. What was little Dano like? I, I like, were you always this? Okay. First of all, you talked about your brother creating new furniture for the lodges <laughs> to help with the ambiance. Were you always just, you know, coming up with these seemingly crazy ideas growing up how did you get on this path oh that is um I, i've thought about that many times is how did i get here i don't know and and like you say you you read my my resume and you go whoa and and i do the same thing I go, whoa like who <laughs> I, is I this that? is this really me yeah. my is cv really rocks yeah. <laughs> the, the first time I remember doing something uh, creative and innovative, really being an entrepreneur was actually in seventh grade, uh, we had a, a, a school mascot that was a green giant. And so that was our school mascot. That's all we knew. We didn't have one anywhere posted or plastered. And I thought, wow, I, I think, I want to make a t-shirt with a green giant on it in our, in our school name, right? And so I'm going, but I don't even know what a green giant looks like. But then I was walking through the grocery store and there it was, the, the green giant. Green uh, giant. <laughs> I think they were green beans. So I, I bought one and I took the label and of course drew a bigger version. And in shop, we were learning how to silkscreen. And so I silkscreened a t-shirt for me. And of course I start walking around and now everyone wants one and they're saying, how much, Dano, how much? And they go, uh, five bucks. And so everyone's handing me these $5 bills 
I can't even remember who handed me the five dollar <laughs> like bills. Receipts, nothing. <laughs> no, so so I go make a bunch of them to. I made the same number as five dollar bills I had, and I just kind of kept them. And then when people say, "Hey, did you get my T-shirt?" Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> so, that was crazy, but I, I learned so much from that about you know if you're going to do something, you, you need to write things down, you need to keep track, you need to, you know. So all of these just immediate lessons come to mind, but. It was fun. And of course, everyone loved the t-shirts. So that was the first time I remember doing that. But I had opportunities. I I was involved in 4-H. I raised and trained horses. Um, I also raised and trained sheep and was winning at state levels, all of these competitions. And I was looking around at the different 4-H clubs and their leadership was all coming from the adults, yet it was supposed to be coming from the youth. Youth. And so I started a leadership club to teach the youth how to be leaders. And not that I really knew how to either, but I figured if I start the club, I better learn so I can teach them. And so, so I did. And, and it was a lot of fun. In fact, probably one of my first experiences working remote, because occasionally I had to work in the evening and we were having our meeting. So I would call into the meeting from my work phone <laughs> to run the meeting. <laughs> and you really have so been anyway, wor- working remote all your life, just, haven't you? Just these, all these crazy experiences and they kind of all start colliding. And I said, and I, I believed I could do these things. One of the things I, in my book, I write about my brother and my experience with the furniture business. One of the things that caused us to actually just go do it and to keep doing it was we didn't know we could fail. We really never thought that we could fail. We're going to build furniture. People are going to buy it, right? As long as we build great furniture, people are going to buy it. And they did. And it wasn't until a couple startups later where I experienced real failure. And, and then wow. it's almost like I just pulled everything back and said, no, you're going to, going to be conservative moving forward. But then I realized, no, you can't do that. The lessons learned, yes, keep those lessons, but don't let them stifle your energy, your creativity, your drive, your, you can do it and and don't focus on failing. Otherwise you will focus on winning and you'll win most of the time. Amen. Amen. And hence the reason why you're always seeing things, how they could be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any crazy passions outside of work? Oh, um, I, I do. I mean, I, like I mentioned growing up, I raised and trained horses and I still love just getting on a horse and just going somewhere, anywhere. Did so well, where you are, you have the ability to do that, right? Did you always grow up there? I mean, like, where were you when you had all these horses and sheep? And I I grew up in yeah, I grew up in Bend, Oregon. So, okay. so it's central Oregon. Uh, it's kind of desert, but up against the mountains and beautiful terrain. And I did, I did the, the cattle roundups where you spend, you know, a few days on the trail. I did wild horse roundups, all of those kind of experiences that in a sense have absolutely nothing to do with the business world, <laughs> but those experiences kept me balanced and kept yeah. me real. I, I'll never forget a meeting I attended at Adobe 
uh, around this beautiful, beautiful um, uh, boardroom table sat 20 of the top salespeople in Adobe. I was new, so they let me in, but otherwise I wouldn't have been in, in the room. And we had this high powered uh, negotiator come in and train us on negotiations. And he's one that negotiated like world trade agreements, wars, preventing wars. The, uh, that's, that was his level. I don't remember his name. I wish I did. I was still young in my career, but I'm sitting there and they're going around the room. He's asked, how many of you been in an auction? And of course, everyone raised their hand. So he's going around the room. What kind of auction? Oh, there was this antiques. Oh, there was a art show auction. Oh, there was this. You went to a livestock option. That was you, right? I said, yeah, cattle auctions. <laughs> and everyone stops and looks and says, what? What were you doing in a cattle auction? Well, I was buying and selling cattle. What else do you do at a cattle auction? And so I, I've never been kind of that typical, you know, Stanford grad, amazing people. I learned so much from them, but that's, that's not who I am at my core. I'm, I'm this guy who loves hiking, being in the country, riding horses. I, so I you just, really like horseback riding. Do you do a lot of it? Not so much now, but up until about five years ago, I actually had a ranch here in Utah. And so we would ride all the time. Uh, now my horses are somewhere between, somewhere in Wyoming, somewhere in Utah. And so I get over and ride when I can, but it's, it's not as frequent and I do miss it. Yes. But do you have a favorite type of horse? I've always raised and trained quarter horses, but I did get an experience on some, um, some gated horses. And I spent two days riding through the wind rivers in Wyoming. And it was a completely different experience because you can ride them all day in a trot and not feel it. That's what if that means, that gated horses, horse, right? They're just trotting. Is that yeah, right? They're trotting. I mean, they can run too, but, but typically they trot in a fast trot, but it's smooth as silk. Wow. And if you tried that on a quarter horse, it would never work. You would be beat up within hours. <laughs> That's amazing. We had a um, Appaloosa growing oh, up. Yeah. 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 Beautiful, beautiful horses. Yes. So, Dano, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Well, you can go to myhive.global and you can find me through myhive. Uh, but the other way you can do it is I have a website danoibarra.com. And there you can find links to my hive. You can find links to my book. If you go on Amazon, I'm the only Dano Ibarra that's an author. So, <laughs> so that's easy to find as long as you know how to spell my name. That's right. As long as you know, and we will definitely put that in the show notes for sure. Okay. So tell me about the paddle behind you. Is that a paddle? Oh yeah, it is. It's, it's a river rafting paddle, although it's, it's not it, well, it can be used, but uh, I painted it just to match my book cover. My book is Guiding Your Raft, 17 Lessons in Leadership to Safely Guide Your Business Through Calm and Tumultuous Waters. So a really, really long title, but it's all about business. And it talks a lot about my experiences um, just through life in business. And so I, I tackle topics like, you know, branding, logos. But I also ta uh, tackle topics like, um, I don't know, over prepare and go with the flow. And 
talk about that. I talk about a lot of experiences I had with my startup that we sold for over a billion dollars and the pivots we made along the way that, that made that company work. So it's just full of my life stories and lessons in business. Of course, my hive's not in there because the book's already published in English and Spanish. And uh, I'll update it one day with my, my hive experience. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, it sounds like a great book and it definitely sounds like something I want to read. So it's called Guiding Your Wrath. Yes. And you can Dano find it on Amazon, Mark. of course. Yes. Yes. All right. Good. Dano, thank you. Carla, it has been a treat. Thank you very much. Yes. You're very welcome. I enjoyed this a lot. I think I talked more on this podcast than I ever do. You got me <laughs> well, thinking. It's a topic that touches all of us today, right? This whole pandemic, remote, hybrid work. What are we going to do moving forward? It is. It's part of all of us, all of our lives right now. Yeah. What are we going to do? We'll leave the show on that note. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with some tidbit from this show. And thank you for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.